thinking that you're walking some sort of safe path is a landmine. Society does trick us into thinking, if I just do these things, everything will be okay. Most advice is just garbage. That is a facade. Hey, Steph, I'm thinking about leaving my job, and you start telling me basically what you would do. You're not really thinking about me. That is like you owning a business, but just having like a billion other people run it for you. That's the real trap, right? Is you get stuck in some sort of mediocre life. Mm-hmm. Like get out of the mud, get out of your head. I feel like that's easy to do if you're 25. And maybe that's a part of the question is what do you want the most? No, no, no. But what do you really want? Like, You want kids? Do you want kids? And if you do, <laughs> that's what you want, right? Welcome back to the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. This is Calvin Ball Rosser. <laughs> and this is Steph Ballsmith. Okay, this is starting to sound weird. We are referring to a cartoon. Today, we are talking about figuring out what the hell you want. All right. So today we are introducing a new format. And this format starts with an article. And the reason I thought it'd be cool to start with an article is because we do these podcasts and Dear listeners, we try to do our research, but when one of us takes the time and the effort to really crystallize something so important that we write an article around it, it is something we really want to say. And so today, what we'll do is instead of us talking back and forth, I'm going to interview Calvin about this article. How does that sound? Sounds nerve wracking because you're an interviewer for your job and I'm a I don't know what I do. Let's see if the last year of being paid to interview has paid off. Calvin, you recently wrote this article called, What Do You Want? Why don't we just start with the core thesis? What are you really trying to tell people with this piece? I think the core of it is, as an adult, you can choose amongst infinite paths. And... I think within all of the decisions you have to make, where to live, who to marry, if you want to marry, if you want to have kids, what you do for work, who you spend your time with, all of that, you really struggle to deal with basic decision making if you don't have some clarity in a given moment around what you want. I call it the central question of adulthood, but pretty much whenever you're all tied up in a knot, it often comes down to a lack of clarity about what you want. It is kind of fascinating if you analyze how much time you spend as a human really answering that question. It should be the most important question of all. Yet, I think most people spend maybe a few hours a year actually thinking about it when they're doing a New Year's resolution. But something clearly prompted you to want to talk about that right now. So what was the impetus? What drove you to want to say this? I had a friend and this was one of many friends who faced the same situation. But this person was considering changing their job. And they walked me through all the things about it. It was like, it's good on paper. I make a lot of money, but I'm unfulfilled. I get enough vacation. What will my friends think? What am I going to do next? And I said, okay, I'll make sense. But, you know, like, what do you want? I think that's the most important thing. And they were like, "Uh, I don't know. I didn't really think about that. And I'm like, obviously. <laughs> and <laughs> that that really is the first step. Like all of these other considerations, they make a lot less sense if you don't have a rough sense of clarity around what it is that you may want. And you you probably can't answer that question fully or whether this job or another job will be the perfect iteration of that. But it just struck me that they'd been spending like months almost just paralyzed 
treating a job like a life or death decision. And they couldn't even tell me, a good friend, what it is they wanted. So I feel like that question is kind of daunting, right? Like everyone's going to be like happiness, love, freedom, these really broad, amorphous concepts. So just using the example of your friend trying to decide on whether to leave a job or take on a new one, what's an example of like a good answer there of someone really knowing what they want? Well, I think a good answer actually moves beyond the things that you said. We all want to be loved, to be happy, to be financially secure. All of those are generic desires. And so the question of what do you want, even though it seems simple, is actually getting more specific. It's like, what are you prioritizing in this given moment? And how does this job fit into that? I'll just use a personal example. I left the job two years ago, and that job had similar things to my friend's job. It was prestigious. I earned a good income. I had a clear trajectory for you know, doing good, impactful work in the world. But at the end of the day, I just wasn't that happy in that role. And the reason I decided to leave is because I was like, what do I want? The thing I want the most, and maybe that's a part of the question is, what do you want the most, is time freedom. I want to go try to write a book. I want to try to be the best surfer possible. I want to explore different ways I can make money online. What did I feel like I needed? It wasn't a 10-step, 10-year plan of how to do that. It was actually the time freedom to just go explore in that unfettered way. In answering what you want, it sounded like you started without any barriers, as in you didn't start from the spot of I have this job or this job. It was like, what do I really want? What are the things I want to build in the world? What is the day that I want to live look like? Is that an accurate depiction of what people should be asking themselves or you know, even this person who's trying to decide if they want to stick with their job? How do you even attack that question? Yeah, I think you're actually pointing to one of the fundamental things when you start to answer it. You want to move away from all the little stories you have about the prestige, about the money, etc. You want to start without constraints. I think this is just generally a good way to problem solve, but you want to brainstorm, you know, what would my ideal and work be and how does that integrate with the rest of my life? And then you can layer on the other things like, oh, I need this much money for health insurance or I need to be able to do this for my kids those things are more helpful to layer on afterwards after you've set some sort of like dream vision. Because I think one of my claims in the article that I make is every choice you make, whether it's your job, the person you marry, et cetera, comes with trade-offs. And so you really can't have it all, but you don't want to start like bringing in those constraints too early because then you, I, I think you're not getting to the best possible answer. You're blocked. On that note, you have this section of your article called safety is an illusion. What do you mean by that? It means there's no safety in this world, folks. There's no (laughs) paths that guarantee anything. I think it starts from this premise that I think life generally has no guarantees. And that includes like, this could be your last day to live. This could be the last day uh, with your parents, your friends, your family. My understanding comes a lot from loss, actually losing people I love to sudden death. And I think the same thing is true of pretty much all parts of your life. There are no guarantees. And the trap that people fall into is... They may think that coming out of school, if I get a good job with enough prestige and I follow the route that is the default path, I go get a good house, I marry the right person, I do all the things right, I'm somehow going to end up happy. That feels like a safe path. Many people have walked it, it's in the zeitgeist, etc. And the truth is that works for some people and it may work for you, but then there's this whole swath of other people who end up with midlife crises, a lot of regret, maybe a health scare that shifts their perspective entirely. 
And there's this deep unpredictability to life when you're mapping it out forward. And, and thinking that you're walking some sort of safe path is a landmine from my perspective. I think you should start from the idea that there is no safety. And now what? Now what do I want to pursue instead of trying to like mitigate risk in a way that's not possible? In the article, you even say the default path is not safe. I want to have like a sign on top of our bed that says that or something that just (laughs) reminds us that society does trick us into thinking if I just do these things, everything will be okay. You know, we, we kind of accept that, okay, maybe I won't have the most extreme outcomes on the positive side, but I also will mitigate the most extreme negative outcomes. But that's not true. Like, there are so many people who take the default path and end up so unhappy. And I also think society sometimes tricks us into thinking like, oh, just two more years of this. Well, that might be your only two years left. And even if it's not, even if you have 80 more, it's just like, you cannot get those two years back. And so I think that is just such an important takeaway that there is no safety in the default path. Like that, that is a facade. Yeah, we maybe should have the sign the default path isn't that bad (laughs) since we (laughs) are maybe too much on the other (laughs) extreme. But I would say, yes. And the main problem with looking for safety, besides the fact that it doesn't exist, I believe is that you don't experiment as much as you otherwise would, and then uncover the different trails that meet the quirky desires of your heart. For example, with me, I discovered surfing, and it has become the thing that I've just been obsessed with for like five years. And I'm shocked about its durability because I often move on from things quite quickly. And had I not traveled the world or had I not tried the many other activities that uh, I had not been familiar with in adulthood, like hiking, skydiving, (laughs) cliff jumping, like all these other things that sound exciting too, I wouldn't have had something to compare surfing to. And I don't know, like, had I not discovered that, I guess my life would have been fine. But it is cool to find those unique things that really call to you. Yeah, I think of maybe the parallel in business, where it's very, very common for large companies that are doing extremely well to just take, you know, the equivalent default path and just continue to do what they've always done. And inevitably, just because of the way the world works, and is constantly shifting alongside you. That doesn't mean you just maintain that trajectory. The other idea that I would layer on there is if you take what we're calling the default path, which is maybe like what society, your parents approve of, maybe your friends, and you take that as truth, you haven't learned the skill of doing your own thinking. And the problem with not doing your own thinking is when things do go wrong, when you do have a health scare or when it proves to not be as fulfilling as you think, you're totally lost because you don't have the skill set of how to navigate your way through this period. And I think that period becomes more painful if you don't get those reps in. Also, using the business analogy again, if you are constantly just making decisions at the whim of what society tells you is safe, that is like you owning a business, but just having like a billion other people run it for you. Their collective wisdom, which you could say might work really well. But if you are the only shareholder learning to be at the helm is important. So with that in mind, what else should people know if they're trying to decide, you know, what they really truly want, not just with a job, but in carving their life out? Well, I would start with maybe the idea that I introduced in a somewhat of a follow-up article, which is life is like Calvin ball. 
And I guess we had a little joke about that early on, um, Calvin Ball Rosser. But Calvin Ball is a game from Calvin and Hobbes, uh, a cartoon by Bill Watterson. And in that cartoon, I think Calvin doesn't make the baseball team or the football team or something like that. And instead of you know getting all upset about that, he creates a new game called Calvin Ball. And this game, he's like, oh, traditional sports are boring. They follow these rules and they're not fun like life could be. Let's play this new game where there's only one rule, which is that it can never be played the same way twice. So every time you play a game, whatever's around you, whatever you're feeling, you can just make up rules as you go. And so when it comes to figuring out what you want, I think this is a, a good analogy because I believe that life has no real rules and your job should be to make up the rules that work for you within the obvious bounds of physics and <laughs> the other constraints that we all have. And that then would go to some follow-ups. So what are some of those follow-ups? The first one sounds stupidly simple, but I think it works really well, which is to try more stuff. So if we go back to my friend who's thinking about different careers, that person has only worked in technology and in a pretty specific field of technology. And there's all these other things that you could do to make money. You could, even though it's hard when you're 30, 35, 40 plus to make a shift, actually just try something new, like take six months, you could take a sabbatical, you could deprioritize work, just focus on your hobbies, or you could go try new careers, like actually give something else another shot. That can feel scary to start over again. But I think sometimes when you're in the rut, the way forward, it's not a thinking problem. It's like a problem that you need to act your way out of. I think that's actually the, the starting problem for many people is they have those generic desires, the happiness, the fulfillment, certain amount of money, but it doesn't go beyond that. And the only way you get beyond that is to just go try different paths and you'd be like, damn, that was dumb or holy shit, this is better than I thought. So I feel like that's easy to do if you're 25. What would you say to the people who are 45, have two kids, married and, you know, they want to play Calvin ball, but they're like, I can't. It's a good question. And I actually think part of the answer is you do have more constraints now than you used to. I would still start from the premise of what would I like to create without those constraints? I mean, you can rejigger the rules of all of those different things. Just to give an example, I see a lot of people who have children, particularly young children, and now I don't have any myself. So I feel weird commenting on this. But some people treat that period of life as, oh, I can't hang out with my friends. I can't travel because I have kids. I have to just dedicate my life to my kids and I can't go on living. There's a lot of assumptions I would say, baked into the idea of what it means to be a parent or a good parent. And I've seen some people live that way and they're like constrained in this unhelpful way around their ideas about parenthood. It's like limiting beliefs. You could argue whether some of those constraints are true or false. But on the flip side, I've seen other people be like, hell no, I'm not going to just give up my life because I have kids. Like I'm going to find a way to go travel still. Maybe it's that you hire help or maybe you find a way to like take your kids on the road and get them an education that way. I'm not saying that those paths don't come with trade-offs, but there always are alternatives. Maybe even coming back to your original article and the question of what do you want, I bet a lot of those parents, they'll tell you what they want in the moment, but they haven't really thought at that deeper level about what they want. So as an example, if you were to be like, well, what do you want? And they'll just be like, I just want two hours for a nap. But really, probably underneath that, it's like, oh, I want two hours for a nap so I can feel more rested, so I can be more present with my kids, so that we can fulfill a deeper connection. 
so that I can build the family I've always wanted to, or I can feel more rested so that I can take on this passion project that's been sidelined for five years, which allows me to do X, Y, or Z, right? There's probably some deeper desire that people haven't really tapped into, partially because they haven't thought about it, or partially because if they have thought about it, they feel like it's impossible because of the current constraints. Yeah. And it is possible that it is impossible, but maybe you can (laughs) move yourself a little bit closer to that outcome. I'll give you two specific examples in the parenting realm. I met one couple who's about to have a baby. And I was like, are you worried about not getting enough sleep in those early few months? Like that seems really hard for me because I personally don't do well without sleep. And it sounds like you don't either. And they're like, oh, we actually solved this problem. They happen to be people of means or well-to-do people, as my grandma would say. And they they had a solution that I hadn't heard of before. And it was they're going to hire a night nurse. And it's a person who stays with you for the first like three months of having the baby. And while you sleep, that person actually takes care of making sure that the baby's needs are met in the night so that you're not disturbed. And therefore, you can do what you were talking about, which is be more present. I think in their case, they want to continue building their businesses to feel well rested. And they're not feeling like they're going to give up anything as a parent by doing that. And now they're able to do that because they have money. Not everyone can do that. To give you a second example really quick, I met a woman who has older kids and she's kind of a boss in her career. She's a big wig at a a company and a marketing director and she's like questioning whether she wants that job or not. She's like, I may be giving up these last few years where my kids still want to hang out with me before they leave the house. And I'm like, yeah, that's an important thing to maybe want. And you think about how the career plays into that and maybe she wants to shift her career. But there's actually a simpler solution that we ended up discovering and she said worked really well, which is what she really wanted was when her kids were in her house after work, she wanted to be, as you said, present with them. She felt that work was constantly distracting herself from like a few hours from like 5 to 8 p.m. with her kids. And so the solution that we imagined, which wasn't just blowing up her whole life, changing her career and all that, was to meditate for 10 minutes or go for a walk. I think she tried that as well. And it just literally grounded her for the next like couple of hours of just being there more fully with her kids, which was the actual problem. She just needed a quick reset before shifting to, you know, mom and kid time. I just feel like in some of these conversations, people go to therapy and they, you know, talk about all these things from their past and they spend hours and hours and hours trying to get to some better place. And I can just imagine you sitting down with someone and just being like, so what do you want? And them answering and then you being like, no, 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 but what do you really want? And just continuing that cycle until they come out and say something like, you know, I just I just want in this very specific part of the day to be present with my kids or whatever it is. Right. Just forcing them to drill down into what their true desires are, because it it is kind of crazy when you think about it. I bet most people don't sit with that. Yeah, you kind of hang on the surface and you have these beliefs that exist on the surface and you almost have to to test those to see if they're true. And if they're true, what you can do about it. I mean, a question that I don't cover in the article, it's not just what do you want? It's why do you want it? And is what you want worthwhile to pursue? Yeah. And I think one thing you've spoken to is the truth that there are constraints. However, that kind of reaffirms the importance of figuring out what the hell you want even earlier on. Because that does give you a little more room to play around and figure out how to set up that life. 
most people not only don't acknowledge what they truly want, but when they eventually get there, it's often so far along some journey that inertia has just carried them through that they just, yeah, they are, are a little pigeonholed by the constraints that exist because they hadn't visited that question earlier. Yeah, I think you're right that doing it earlier is better. One is you build this muscle of learning that you can change your life and how to do that and how to test your assumptions in a way that isn't as permanent. Like you can make choices that like having a child that are going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And so that that's definitely one you'd want to think about deeply. But to go to what you just said, which is, okay, let's say you want to have children and you want to be financially stable to the point where you can provide a certain level of childcare. A lot of that in and of itself can be a surface level belief. I see a lot of friends take this idea that, oh, I can't have kids right now because kids are expensive. And they stop there. And it's like, okay, but how much money do you need to be able to provide you and your kids the life that you want? And what is it that you need to do to get there? And what are the most important pieces of that? Otherwise, you're just sort of like punting the ball down the road by just taking this kind of generic truth that having children is more expensive than not having children. And so I, I would say there's some common ideas like that one that people get stuck on. And that, that would be a surface level belief if you didn't dig under the surface and say, I want to be able to have a night nanny. I want to be able to have an au pair. And I want to be able to have someone come cook pre-prepared meals so that I don't have to worry about that. And I need $10,000 a month to do that. But also... Even before you figure out what you need to get what you want, I think that many people just, myself included, they analyze the situation and then they use that analysis to determine what is possible instead of starting from like what they want. Like, what do you want? You want kids? Do you want kids? And if you do, <laughs> that's what you want, right? Like, I think some people will probably judge and be like, life's not that simple, but that is something that stood out to me from your article is just in so many scenarios we're like analyzing before actually sitting down with that important question of like, what do you want in life? And on that note, something else you mentioned in the article is to be wary of advice. I thought that was kind of interesting. Why? What do you mean by this? Well, I would say that most advice is just garbage and it confuses you if you don't learn how to think for yourself and so a couple of ways that happens i have a distinction i think i pulled it from another book but there's counsel and then there's advice and so advice is when someone tells you what they would do so it's like hey steph i'm thinking about leaving my job and you start telling me basically what you would do you're not really thinking about me mm -hmm. and then there's counsel which is you help me clarify my thoughts. You help me clarify what I want, what I was trying to do with my friend, basically, which is I'm just listening to you. You're going through this conundrum and I'm not telling you what I would do in your situation. I'm not telling you anything. I'm actually just listening to you and asking you a series of questions to help you get a little bit clearer about how to think about the problem. And so if you are going to take advice from someone, I'd recommend finding people who can listen to you and provide you what I would call counsel, which is really, really helpful. The other quick problems with advice, one would be you may be just like different from all your friends and family, and those are the people you would talk to, and they just can't even imagine the snare that you're in. Imagine you're the only wealthy person in your life, and 
they're not really going to have a good sense of like what's possible in your life or how you can use money to solve problems or even a desire to talk about that because maybe that's uncomfortable. So I think you're right that there is a challenge in asking for advice because ultimately people are just going to tell you what they would do. But people go to other people for advice because they don't know what to do. They don't know what they want. So what do you do in that situation where you don't know what you want and you're looking for help in figuring that out? It's it's very true. Like the thing about advice is not that you shouldn't ask for advice. I would I would take it on two levels. The first level is when you're going to talk to someone about what to do, you need to figure out first where you're at. Like maybe you just want to vent or maybe you want someone who provides you like a practical solution or something, but just know like your degree of confidence in your decision going in because that helps you from just being swayed in one direction because someone is a compelling speaker. And then the second thing is, this is what I do when I'm making a big decision. I do a lot of independent thinking. It's usually based on like, oh, I've been feeling about a job this way for two months. What's going on here? Can I change it? I like try all these like little pathways. Now I'm thinking about leaving the job, a relatively big life decision. I pretty much come to an answer by myself. And then like the day before I make the actual decision, I'll call what I call my personal board of directors. And so I have like a really logical friend and he's like, here's a system for like how I would think about this. And I'm like, great. That's a really good system, man. Thanks for the help. And then I go to the next person and it's like a really emotional, compassionate person. And he's, you know, looking out for my best interest, but he's really tapped into the feelings. And then I have, you know, someone who's like older and wiser, and they're going to probably give me perspective. Like, look, this is not going to matter in like 20 years. But basically, I have like a group of friends who offers something different. They may even be offering me advice to not counsel. But I'm using that to like check my thinking. And so it's like, maybe I'm being too emotional. And the systems-based thinking brings me into like a logical order that helps me see that I'm not being clear. Or maybe the collective group here is actually just going to confirm my decision by helping me test the edges of it. And that's usually what I do at the end, but I go in knowing what I want. I've probably only used this personal board in this way like five to six times. It really is for like big life decisions. Feels like you could use AI for that too. Well, I've, I've been doing that with articles actually, which is, hey, AI, tell me the strengths and weaknesses of this position. And by the end, I'm like, hey, give me three reasons why someone would love reading this. Because all I want at that point is some confidence to like hit publish and some excitement that I've written something worth reading. I feel like I'm now going to use AI as this personal board of directors. But then also when I make my decisions, I'm going to use AI to hype me up. Hey, ChatGPT, tell me all the reasons why this was a great decision. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just need like a hype person or someone to confirm your thinking because you're just a little bit scared, even though you know what you're deciding is right for you and for this moment. That's that's the other thing about all of this is like your desires just change over time. And so it's more about developing like a little bit of a process for not getting forever stuck. That's the real trap, right? Is you get stuck in some sort of mediocre life and you never actually go pursue the thing you want because you just forever in decision paralysis. And I think that's what this article is trying to help people get out of, like get out of the mud, get out of your head, like try to figure out a little bit of clarity here so that you can actually move forward instead of just endlessly ruminating about this thing. Something else you mentioned in the article is the nature of social pressure. And really just like you've used this term cultural gravity. I think that's really important because not only 
does cultural gravity not necessarily align with what you want? I think it's equally important to remember that most people aren't thinking about you. What is that famous quote? I think that's basically the quote. Most people aren't thinking about you nearly as much as you think. Yeah, I think that's that's important because whether it's a job or a divorce or whatever, like your major life decisions, especially the ones that are important to you, but maybe you're worried about external judgment, just really don't often matter to other people. There may be some like very quick reaction to, oh, did you see like insert person here got divorced? And then you are erased, you know, from their mind once again. Well, I think that would be something I'd consider a trade-off. Like maybe within your culture, like divorce is very much not welcomed for one reason or another. And you're actually going to get some backlash from people you care about. And that's going to hurt your feelings and it's going to make it harder. And so you're basically saying by getting divorced, I'm going to ultimately create a better pathway, but that I'm going to have this short-term trade-off, which is this pain of not only my own life change, but of other people in my life not accepting me for it. And everyone comes out differently on that. But in the end, you have to sleep with the decisions you make. And I think that's actually what happens with most people is they stay in bad situations too long until the pain becomes so great that they exit out of them. And they often wish they had exited earlier. And they could if they just did a bit more thinking and were willing to pay a short-term price for a long-term gain. You have this great quote in your article that says, over the long run, my refusal to bow down to fear and settle has gotten me closer to designing a life that I'm excited to live. So I guess closing things out, as I mentioned at the very top, it takes a lot of time to write articles these days. I feel like it takes like true muscle. And in order to do that, there's really got to be something that you feel passionate about saying. And so why did you feel like this was a message that people had to hear? So I would say that this article connects very deeply with the whole essence of why I write in the first place and why I sit down and share my thoughts and hope that some people find value in them. I started the blog in 2017 because I felt that I had cracked the code of life in becoming a digital nomad and doing things differently and trying to create a life that was like truly fulfilling. I almost stumbled upon it. And then I was like, oh, there's something here that I want other people to see. Because what I saw was a lot of my friends seemed to be going down the default path. And my guess, based on a lot of people I had met who were older, was that many of them would wake up someday to some sort of existential crisis. And as we talked about earlier, it's just harder to change when you're older, when you've like really locked in certain life choices. And so a lot of my writing is just focused on how is it that you iterate your way into a life that like you're pretty excited to live on most days? Because I think that's possible for most people. And I, at the core of that, this question exists. And I think it's one of the most important pieces of it. And I, I just realized I had never articulated this one in particular and just had seen so many friends treat careers in particular like life or death decisions and just gotten stuck. Yeah. And I think it can be applied in micro settings too, right? Like as you're crafting your to-do list or deleting things from it, it's like, why, why am I doing all this stuff? Like, what do I want? What am I working towards? Why am I reading all these newsletters? Why am I following certain people on social media? Why am I hanging out with some people and not others? I think inertia just powers so much of what we do. And so this like grounding question of what do you want is something that we don't visit enough. So Calvin, what is it that you want? 
I want listeners to ask themselves that question. If you've taken nothing away from this podcast, it's just to, if you have some sort of decision that has been on your mind for like a couple of months, just sit down for a couple hours, try to journal like, like, what do I want? And think about how that little decision or big decision that you're making fits in the broader piece of your life and see if you can get clear there. That's it. You want to know what I want? Yeah. What do you want? (laughs) I want listeners to give us a review and tell their friends about the shit you don't learn in school podcast. Okay. Well, you just put the call out there. Hopefully someone does it. (laughs) I mean, I'm mostly kidding. But since we have brought back the podcast, if you have been listening and you have been enjoying what we're putting out there in this renewed version of the shit you don't learn in school, then yeah, let us know. And if you want to do that super quickly, it takes like 30 seconds at ratethispodcast.com slash learn. All right, folks, make sure you go out and do it. And the last piece of advice I'd say on the what do you want question is just make sure that you're having some fun because this whole ride is short and that's cliche and everyone has said it a million times, but I think it's really true. And that's always a good measure for me of if things are on track is if I'm just enjoying or having fun with my daily experience, even when things are not clear and not perfect because they're never are. Yeah. Who are you to be a speck of dust on the spinning rock and take yourself too seriously? Go out there and have some fun. All right, Steph, the philosopher. Let's end it there. Until next time. Thanks for listening.